Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Big thanks to the title sponsor of the Big Show, Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned and operated Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the lowest prices on every tire every day. We're going to talk Frank Dolce momentarily here, Gordo. Let's get his thoughts on the 0-2 Utes. Always a pleasure. Is it, though? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if I agree with that take, but, yeah, we'll have Frank on. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward he'll to it. He'll come on and he'll he'll break down the football. Uh, no, we love Frank. He's he's great. Big part of our Ute coverage here on the Zone Sports Network has been for a couple of years now and uh, does a terrific job. Obviously, former Ute quarterback, longtime uh, Ute analyst. And I, I'm curious to get his thoughts on Jake Bentley and how he's played. I, I kind of thought it's been somewhat underwhelming, Gordon. Uh, I think that's fair to say. The question is, are we seeing what, what uh, the whole – uh, potential is, or is it a matter of, of learning some things, getting adjusted to things, or is he just not that great a quarterback? I mean, yeah. Well, certainly it's uh, it's been a bit of an up and down. I mean, you look pretty good in the first half. Uh, turnover issues have certainly been a problem, both yes. fumbling and throwing interceptions. And, uh, you know, making decisions that are just baffling. I know I guess you don't 100% agree on w- with me on that last interception, but that was – that was like the last thing that you wanted to do. Well, you got to get the ball down the field in order to give yourself a chance at a field goal. And so, you know, I mean, it was kind of a Hail Mary situation. Not completely, but pretty close. So sometimes you're going to suffer that kind of thing when you're trying to do a little too much. Hmm. All right, let's uh, jump out to the zone phone. Joining us now, as we mentioned, uh, former Ute quarterback, longtime Ute analyst, and our Ute insider here on the Zone Sports Network. He's Frank Dolce. What's going on, Frank? Hey, Jake. Hey, guys. I hope you're doing well. hope you both had a fantastic holiday, long weekend. Jake, you sound a little down in the dumps about Utah's loss. I, you know, that's kind of nice that you feel that way. <laughs> I don't know if I'm down in the dumps, Frank. It was a pretty painful way to watch a team lose a football game. You know, I, I watched that game closely. I watched the first half. I was really interested to see how Utah responded after what I thought was a you know, a very average showing in week one. And so, wow, things looked, you know, almost like, you know, 180-degree change for Utah. But when Washington came out in the third quarter and went down and scored with, you know, relative ease, my stomach dropped. And... I just thought, you know, I think we always feel like that's a dogfight for Utah that game, but that one, that one felt like there it was just too, too easy. That maybe, maybe Utah, um, you know, relaxed them a bit. I don't know. Frank, what do you think about the play calling in the second half? Do you think the Utes were too conservative, or do you think it was just the turnovers that were killing them? I think. Probably a combination. It's really hard to, you know, you know, I, it's, it's, people like to do this thing of, well, uh, you know what, play calling was awful. 
and that's the reason they lost. Well, I think you could probably say um, play calling could have been different, but you could probably say that in any football game, even in wins. You could probably say, well, play calling should have been different. Turnovers were were not on the side of Utah in terms of, you know, situation in the game. The turnovers didn't didn't favor the Utes for sure. Uh, execution. I mean, you have to go back to to execution in in that football game, and youth and inexperience difficult to overcome. Uh, I think Coach Whittingham said one. Well, he said lots of interesting things, but one thing that I really that really stuck with me is when he said after the game in his post game uh, press conference, he said. Um, it doesn't matter. The plays don't matter. It doesn't, you know, it's not about the plays. It's about getting the ball into your playmaker's hands. I think that was a very interesting comment because we saw guys like Brian Thompson and Brent Keithy not get targeted in the second half. Um, so that, that is an, that's an interesting comment to me. So back back to your back to your question. I think it's probably, you know, combination of things um, that led to the loss in the second half. Not the least of which I think this is what Hans and I talked about after the game is it's you you have to learn how to win a football game through four quarters. You have to learn how to put another team away and um, for, for a group that has a lot of inexperience, you go up like 21-0 in the first half in a game that's supposed to be a dogfight. I think human nature is to take a deep breath, to sigh, and say, hey, we have this. This is ours, rather than to, to, to have the same kind of intensity coming out for the second half. Evaluate Jake Penley's performance for us, Frank. Well, I I think Jake Bentley has all of the tools. I don't think it's an I, you know I don't think there's an issue about arm strength or athleticism. In fact, he made several plays, um, athletic football plays to to keep keep a drive alive or, and to keep the football moving and to give his team a chance. Uh, he made you know a couple of really you know bad throws uh, and those bad, bad throws. You know, we're we're costly. But there there is this thing about, uh, and and it's I, it's always hard to tell on the TV because you don't get to see what's happening in the secondary, and I need to see that to really evaluate um, the performance. But it feels like, it just feels like, the progression is not happening as quickly as it could. And so then you say, well, his offensive line isn't blocking because it feels like he's getting a lot of pressure. Uh, and there were, try- there were times certainly when, when Washington provided pressure and it just wasn't blocked, blocked well up front. But there are other times when I feel like I, keep, like I get anxious about, hey, you need to get rid of the ball, get rid of the ball, get rid of the ball. And so getting through that stuff, getting through the progression, feeling the, the pocket close throwing the ball away, some of those thing, things feel like that needs to, he needs to take you know, that next step in that area. I, I like him. I think he's certainly talented enough. I think he has all the tools. And I think he probably feels like he should have played better in that game.
So, Frank, why is it that uh, in this, especially in the second half, but really throughout, that that the Huskies could utilize tight end Cade Otten? Of course, he won he uh, won the game with a touchdown catch at the end. Why was Washington able to utilize him against Utah's defense, where Utah's offense could not consistently utilize Brant Keithy? Well, I think that's what Coach Whittingham was talking about. It's a very good point that you make because I think you have similar type of talent in in Austin and, and Keithy. And clearly Washington uh, was cognizant of the fact that Utah had underclassmen matched up with maybe the best uh, receiver or, the, or, the, or I should say the most difficult matchup on the field. So you have Richie, freshman, you have Sewell, sophomore. Those are the guys who are kind of matched up on Auten. And either by design on the offensive side, um, which, which wouldn't allow Utah to double-team defensively, or by design on the defensive side where they just weren't going to double the tight end, um, you found Auten single coverage uh, uh, most of the night or maybe all of the night. And that's very difficult to overcome. Couple that with the difficulty Utah had in the second half of pressuring the quarterback. No sacks in the game. Statistically, it said there were no quarterback hurries in the game. I don't think that's accurate, but that's the way it's listed in the final stats. No QB hurries. So you have a quarterback who has time to throw the ball. You have underclassmen, matched up against the best offensive weapon, that's, th- those are very difficult items to overcome individually, and now you have a combination of things that work. So, And then on the other side, I think that's what Coach Whittingham was talking about, is, look, Keithy is the same. He's a, he's a matchup nightmare. Put the defense, at, uh, stress the defense by creating those matchups those difficulties in the matchups and figure out a way to get Keithy the football. What do you think of uh, Washington, Frank, and Jimmy Lake? Do you think he's going to pick up where Pete left off? Well, that's pretty high. You know, that's, that's lofty. That's a lofty expectation goal uh, because I think Peterson was one of the very best in, in college football. I mean, you know, I would talk about guys like Urban Meyer and Nick Saban and um, and Chris Peterson. And um, and I would even include in that top five, top ten list, Kyle Whittingham. I mean, those are, those are guys that have um, year after year stability, the ability to reload and, and maximize the talent that they have available and go out and find great talent. Uh, um, and then I'm oh I'm I'm leaving out Dabo, but that's because Dabo for some reason he rubs me the wrong way. But he's in, he's got to be on that list as well. Uh, so so where does Jimmy Lake fit? Two games in, I think he managed the I think he managed the football game against Utah extremely well. That you know that could be a sign of what to expect out of out of a Jimmy Lake era like. He didn't, he didn't panic on the sideline. He seemed very calm, made 
what, you know, they made whatever adjustments they made at halftime that worked out really well in the second half. He, keep, he, kept, he kept his team engaged and in the game. And all of those things are signs of, of a great head coach, especially in kind of an in-game head coach. Uh, time will tell about Jimmy Lake. Does he yeah, – I think we have some assumptions we could make, but does he have the ability to run a program – for five years, ten years, with the same kind of success level? Does he continue to recruit the same way that he does and all of those things? But early in his career, I think he's put himself on a nice trajectory. Frank, we talked earlier about the conservative nature of what the Utes were doing offensively. They ran the ball 19 more times than they threw it. Now, some of those runs were Bentley where he was running around. But when you look at the rushing totals, and Jake and I were made note of this earlier. Ten carries for Ty Jordan for 97 yards. Ten carries for Devin Brumfield uh, for 39 yards. Uh, eight carries for Jordan Wilmore for 24 yards. Three carries for Micah Bernard for 13 yards. Is it time to give Ty Jordan the ball more often, feed the beast, and let him go? I know he had the fumble, and it was costly. But is it time to hone in on on having a, a back who can get into a rhythm and, and really do some damage to a defense? That's probably where we're headed. We talked about this prior to the season, that Utah would utilize a running back by committee. I didn't think Jordan would be a part of that, but but he certainly has, has made his presence felt. And... And we said it could be two or even three games in before Utah decides on a full-time featured back. I think that's probably where we're headed with Jordan. Like, he, he in that game probably separated himself out. Here's the thing that, that we, we also have to consider. And here, along with the ability to run the football effectively – the, the, the next one, or even, even, maybe even the most important thing for Coach Whittingham is a running back who can step up and manage the defensive rush uh, and manage a, um, potentially a defensive blitz and manage a linebacker or a defensive end. Pass protection from the running back position is, is, is supreme priority for Coach Whittingham. And so uh, if, if Jordan – has that ability in addition to the ability to run the football, then he becomes the featured guy. If that particular part of his game is not as well tuned as Brumfield or Wilmore or Bernard, then you might still see this running back by committee sort of game plan. Um, The luxury that Utah had with Zach Moss is that nobody could stop him at the line of scrimmage. He was fantastic at first contact. He was a bruiser. But more importantly, you, his pass protection was impeccable. So those are the two things that we'll, we'll have to watch as they unfold with, with the running back position group. All right, Frank, last thing for me. Uh, this doesn't have to do with the Utes, but I need uh, some show help. Okay. <laughs> Are you yes. fa- are you familiar with the bit that Gordon and I do when we make bets? Uh, we call it incriminating audio. You know what that? Have you heard us do that? 
Yes, I'm a huge fan of the show. What do you mean if I do? I'm not familiar with discriminating audio. Gordon picked uh, the Rams over the 49ers over the weekend and lost and thus owes us some incriminating audio. So I guess my question, help us brainstorm, Frank, is there something funny that you think would be uh, clever coming from Gordon? Well, here's the here's the problem when you ask me that question. Is like I I pretty much align with Gordon on on, you know, what he says and what he does. And uh, and so you're gonna you're you're probably picking the wrong crowd to find incriminating audio because I I hold Gordon in the highest regard. Oh geez, your brown nosing is going to See, get, no, get in the way of you participating no, no. in the show. He's Come not, on, he's not, he's not brown nosing. Look, it, it, look, you hurt me. You're hurting Frank. Oh please, that's how I feel. That's exactly how I feel. You are no fun. You know that you you're know, no if fun. I wanna, if I if I'm stuck in an alley. You know, when I'm outgunned and outmanned, there's one guy I want with me. And, and his hands. That's the G-man. And, and maybe hands and his incredibly large hand. The guy has, like, bear paws. Yes, he does. I can think of many others I'd, I'd uh, want by my side. <laughs> many you others. Hey, yeah. Frank, thanks for, the, thanks for the support. I appreciate it, man. Absolutely. You know, we have to stick together, Gordon. Yeah, I'm going to need it. some Pepto-Bismol during the break. <laughs> <laughs> that was a swing and a miss by you, Jake. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, well, that that was it for me. You have anything else for Frank there, Gordon? No, I think Frank pretty well summed it up there. I, I don't. I agree with everything he said. I'm, I'm sure you keep do. It that way. Yeah, I'm sure you do. Uh, Frank, uh, Gordon appreciates it when you're able to jump on with us every week. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, it's my pleasure. I just mark it down in my calendar. Chat with Gordon every Monday afternoon. Uh, thank you, Frank. We do. We really appreciate it. Thanks, buddy. Absolutely. Great to talk to you guys. Back at you. Our friend Frank Dolce, founding member of the Gordon Monson Found Club. Oh, I don't think so. I think there might be a little bit of sarcasm in there. I think he's wearing a Gordon Monson shirt right now. <laughs> Oh, you know, I thought we could include him in the show. It could be a little fun, you know. We take jabs and all that sort of thing. But no, I get the the Monson love fest from Frank. See, I get this all the time. I get it from listeners. I get it from people who tell other family members. They say, "Why are Jake and Austin picking on you all the time? You're the smartest one on the show. Why are they constantly?" <laughs> hammering away at you wait a minute and i say hey you know they're teasing sort of <laughs> but you have listeners say you're the smartest one on the show well that, that part they... that part i may have added in okay. myself but 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 i do get that a lot where people do say yeah man tell those guys to knock it off they... are you kidding me you give yeah. as much as you get Oh, please. No way. Oh, who roasted just... me for like the first hour of our show for that uh, Christmas ornament debacle last week? <laughs> that was funny. I was, I was really glad you brought that up. But uh, I, for me, it's not, uh, you know, it's not, it's because I handle it better than you guys. Oh. You, you guys throw it all at me and I just, it's just like water off the back of a duck. But when I throw it at you, then, you know, the show comes to a screeching halt. And why you got to hurt my feelings? I have pierced nipples. That's not true. <laughs> you, you go with the hands approach where we start to tease a little bit. And all of a sudden the personal attacks start Would coming. Would you bet your life? Yeah, start coming fast and furious. Mm -hmm.
Mm, okay. All right. All right. Well, let's regroup and uh, we'll come back with a fresh new attitude. Who on this show has called the other one an idiot? I know it's not me. Oh, is it, did I call you an idiot? When did Many I call times. you an idiot? Many times. Really? And then, uh, but I, feel, I didn't mean it. Did I? Oh, my gosh. You're an idiot. I'm going to kill you. Yeah, but see, that wasn't real. I you know, think it, you're it, an idiot. That might have been real. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> oh. But. Right. Good heavens, I'm an idiot. Yeah. Kind of agrees with you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we, we, we've come to consensus then. Oh, great. Jake's an idiot. All right. Uh, see, you did it again. No, I'm just saying that's what our consensus was. You did it I'm, again. <laughs> that's not our consensus. Well, you just said it. I didn't say it. You said it. Well, I did say it, but so did you. Mm. Uh, we're all just funning. Mm. Are we? <laughs> <laughs> See? Are you sure? That's what I mean. You, you sure fling it at that? me. You fling it at me day after day, hour after hour, minute after minute, and it's like nothing, you know? I fling a little something at you suddenly. Oh, so now calling someone an idiot is flinging a little something then. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right, I, apologize. I apologize. Game on, Monson. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Uh-oh. Stay tuned. We'll have I'm more in next. trouble. Help. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Moron, idiot, stupid. Right down the line. Born to be wild. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It's a big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Coming up top of the 5 o'clock hour, we'll let you hear from Dennis Lindsay and Justin Zanuck and their media availability today, getting ready for camp to open and uh, doing media day a little bit differently, spreading it out, doing it virtually. It's going to be a little different this year, like a lot of things, but uh, we'll let you hear their media availability at 5. Uh, Gordon has the Not Sports Report at 450, but let's, uh, Gordon, I've got some Utah State tidbits for you here in, okay. in this segment. Of course, the Aggies is... Been a bit of a soap opera up there. And uh, today, uh, a turn that I didn't necessarily see coming, uh, Jalen Warren has put himself in the transfer portal, a very, very good running back for Utah State. In fact, Coach Mack, just last week, Gordon, talked a ton about him and how uh, how good he was and important to that team. And now uh, he's dealt with some injuries, I know, but uh, he's going to go ahead and transfer. You know, I, I don't know what happened in this particular case. I do know that he's a talented back. But do you think it has to do with, or it could potentially have to do with a player looking around saying, man, the cupboard's empty here. I, I, I'd rather, you know, I'd rather go play somewhere else than get my head beat in here. Um, I would say more to go somewhere where you can win more immediately than the severity of the losses, but. I guess uh-huh. it's two sides of the same coin. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm just guessing. I have no idea whether it was something personal or whether it was something related to football. Who knows? Now, my question is, why not just ride out this year at Utah State? Is there any advan- advantage to transferring may- now, midseason? May- maybe, maybe in a normal year you would go ahead and wait it out. But this year, you know, and he's – is he still injured? Uh, I believe so. So, you know – Maybe maybe he looks at it and goes, "Look, I'll just I'll just recalibrate for somewhere else." But I mean, it, it does you know, I guess, good to transfer now, though, is what I don't understand. 
Unless if he's already graduated, I guess maybe, but I don't know what his status is. Well, maybe he thinks, okay, I'm not going to play much. I'm all right. I'm still rehabbing or whatever. And uh, so I might as well get a head start on it rather than continue to just hang out here, you know, get a, get a head start on it. I don't know, Jake. I'm guessing here. I'm just try- sometimes people want to get settled with their plans and they want to do it ASAP. Maybe he has a big business uh, chance like Manny Bowen did, you know. Oh, yeah, Manny Bowen. Well, he's a really good player. Whoever gets him is going to get a productive back. Yes. I mean, I'll be curious to follow and see where he goes because he's he's a good player. And when the the times that I saw him play, he runs hard. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, he runs hard. So, yeah, I don't. I I'm feeling a little bad about Utah State this year. It's, it seems like it's. I know they got the win over New Mexico, and uh, the quarterback was named the Mountain West uh, Offensive Player of the Week, right? Yeah. Um, but but it just seems like things are a bit of a drag there right this instant. And it'll be interesting also to see, you know, who's going to get the coaching job and how quickly will they be able to turn that back in a more positive direction. The Aggies had too long a period of time where they struggled, and there was no reason for them to struggle like that. Um, you know, we've heard rumors about guys wanting to move on from other places administratively and all that. I don't know. I don't know. All I know is that Utah State should have a good football program. Um, I've always thought that. That's a nice campus. It's a nice school. It's uh, it's just a nice place, a good place. And they have a tradition there of having had some really good coaches come through, especially assistant coaches, but others as well. And, and so how long will they stay down? I don't know. But these things are really – you, you can understand why coaches are a little ticklish about this stuff because it's hard. It's hard to get a program, to get the whole – it's like steering a ship, getting it back in the right direction and then keeping it that way. I mean, when, when uh, Gary Anderson was there the first time, it took him uh, – he had two losing seasons before – what was the third season, Jake? I think he was like seven and six or something. And then the fourth season, he was 11 and two. Uh, that's that's hard lifting, heavy lifting. The other piece of Aggie news that's out there, uh, Gordon, Coach Miley made some comments about Jason Shelley, who we know uh, was dismissed from the team, and this kind of comes on the back of Jason's mom, uh, Janie, uh, being a little grumpy on Twitter, and I'll read her her tweets here for a second and then uh, Coach's comment. Uh, let's see, Janie said, if demonstrating passion for the game, frustration, uh, frustration or even a verbal altercation is a violation of team rule that warrants a dismissal, then USU was not the place for you. God will bring you, uh, uh, bring you out better than you were before, and tag Jason Shelley in it, hashtag Aggie all the way. Mm-hmm. She also added, um, I'm incredibly disappointed by the recent turn of events with Utah State, firing the head coach after three losses with a new OC, new quarterback, no spring ball, and during a pandemic season, lacks empathy. Dismissing Jason a week later was no coincidence. So Coach Miley responded uh, today. He said this, quote, Jason Shelley did nothing illegal. He is a great man. His dismissal was 100% my decision, not due to any misconduct of any institutional policies or rules, unquote. Well, then what did he do? Yell at somebody on the sideline? Uh, I guess. Yeah, I mean, uh, Jason's uh, mother seemed to kind of insinuate something like that. 
But, I mean, this is one of those situations where they dismiss Jason and they say it's a violation of team rules. I'm not taking crazy pills, right? That, that's what they said. And uh, now he comes out and says, that was 100% my decision. No uh, violation of team rules. <clears throat> so what was it for then? Yeah, that's that's what the, the question then becomes. And if it was, if it was something emotional, like she's suggesting – uh, is that really a reason to throw a guy off a team? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, he he wasn't playing well. I mean, there's no debating that. I, I mean, he was not. He was not playing good football. Uh-huh. He he was. In fact, he he seemed to me to take a significant step back from where he was uh, with the Utes when he filled in uh, a couple of years ago. True. So I don't know. I mean, can you can you just cut a guy mid year and just say he wasn't good enough? That's probably not a good look. So. You create a violation of team rules, I guess. Or maybe uh, it was a violation and it got into some verbal altercation, but that would contradict what Coach Miley said today. Yes, it would. I Jake, I, I don't know, and I haven't really uh, looked around to find out uh, the answers as to exactly what happened up there. But uh, it seems like when you take it in its entirety, it, it's just negative. And I, you know, and maybe Frank's just trying to get turned around. I don't know, but I don't like to see guys get thrown off teams uh, unless they do something really egregious. I mean, well, I agree. I mean, let him ride it out. Even if he's not your guy, you committed to him. And that's not right. going to last, you know, five games. But Exactly. But it's going to get worse before it gets better at Utah State just because, I, uh, you know, maybe Coach Miley does a nice job closing out this year. I hope he does. I mean, he, he seems like a good guy and a good coach, but I think likely they're going to go a different direction. And uh, with a different direction probably comes some more rebuild, probably some more break it down before it gets better. Yeah, that could very well be true. And and sometimes that's necessary. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not in the locker room up there. I I, I'm not, I don't see what's going on with everybody. If if I'm a coach and I'm in a situation where the team has struggled the way the Aggies have on the whole this year, I am looking for ways to to get that thing healed up. And then sometimes you know when Urban Meyer went to Bowling Green, he chased like 22 guys off the team, you know, and he turned it into a winner. When he came to Utah, when he came to Utah, some guys were very unhappy with the way he handled certain circumstances, uh, and and but he did it on purpose because he wanted to change the entire the the atmosphere, and I guess it's okay if you know what you're doing, but if you're just doing it willy nilly, I'm not sure how useful that would be. Yeah, I uh, well. I mean, Urban did that everywhere he went, right? He did that yeah, at Utah. pretty much. Yeah. I mean. I'll never forget talking to – I talked to a receiver at Bowling Green, uh, and then I talked to uh, someone he had coached at Notre Dame, and they were telling me about Urban and how he just came in. He just kicked everyone's butt. Yep. And that, that works sometimes. Sometimes if you kick guys when they're down, it, it, may, it may, uh, may not work out for you because – Guys might be given everything they have. They're just not quite good enough. But we all know Urban's attitude about that kind of thing. And it's worked on the whole for him. And so I, I don't see changing him. I remember talking with him about those guys he ran off at Bowling Green. And his his quote was, back to me, was, fortunately, the right guys quit. <laughs> yeah, the right guys. You mean the ones you targeted to quit? Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Fortunately, suppose. the right guys didn't uh, didn't cut it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I ran off the guys I wanted to run off, and the guys I wanted to have stick around stayed. We're still here. What a surprise! And the younger guys who didn't get cut have a message sent to them that they better fall in line or it's over. <laughs> yeah, uh, I yeah, I different coaches have different ways of doing it, man, and and it, there's no one single way. But somehow you got to clear the air and you got to get it right. Now I I don't know whether I'm going to throw in on the uh, well. If you run six guys off or you kick one guy off or whatever, it's worth it to punish the one or the six or the 22 in order to save the the, the team as a whole. I feel bad for the guys who who get run, especially if they haven't really done anything all that egregious. Right. But these coaches, I think they're not looking – some of them are not looking at the individuals. They're looking at the the whole – and if they think they're going to sacrifice a few people to uh, to for the betterment of the program as a whole, that's what they're going to do. And I, I think there are some moments where that might may be justified and some moments where it's out of bounds. Coming up next, we have the Not Sports Report. Stay tuned for that. We'll let you hear from Dennis Lindsay and Justin Zanuck at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. Action-packed big show rolls on next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. <laughs> Check this out. And now your Not Sports Report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Close your eyes, girl. Look inside, girl. Let the sound take you away. All right, it's time for the Chevy Strong Play of the Game. Brought to you by Rocky Mountain Chevy Dealers. Be caller 12 right now, 855-340-ZONE. Correctly identify the Chevy Strong Play of the Game. Announced by DJ and PK this morning at 8.50 and you'll win a Zone prize pack. It's the Chevy Strong Play of the Game. Brought to you by your Rocky Mountain Chevy Dealers. Time for the Not Sports Report. Brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles and inventory. Shop online, lhmusedcars.com. Gordon, uh, where are we going today, buddy? i got a couple things uh, showbiz-related today. The first one is, uh, oh, do you have a thought on Amber Heard? Uh, not really, no. Do you know anything about her? She's an actress, she was, right? Yeah, she was married to Johnny Depp, and then they get, got into this uh, sort of wicked uh, oh, yeah, yeah, court yeah. case, uh, divorce case about... Uh, didn't jo- Johnny claim that he had been abused by her, that she allegedly punched him in the face and and cut uh, cut his finger with a, like a wine bottle or glass or something like that. Well, now she was in Aquaman, and now she's uh, supposed to be in Aquaman too. But there has been a, pe- a petition circulating that she should be ousted from Aquaman too, and. According to this report, 1.6 million people have signed it. Mm, well. You think uh, the movie studio is going to listen to that kind of thing? 1.6 million, that's a lot. Whew. Is it a lot, though? I kind of. I mean, I don't hear about petitions being signed by that many people. Yeah, that's more than people that saw Aquaman. Is it? Because what did Aquaman gross? The first I don't know, one? but it was awful. Was it? But Horrendously it- bad. Probably made at least $100 million, I'll right? bet it did, yeah. Yeah. So that means that, 
I mean, one point whatever people would just be <laughs> million people would just be a drop in the bucket, right? I don't know. I don't know. But I saw that and I thought, wow, I wonder, I wonder how that's going to be resolved. Uh, and I'm not taking sides here at all, but I just thought that was a whole lot of people signing a petition. My second item is this, and this is one of those things that happen that I need to find out whether you guys find it appropriate or not. Uh-oh. You know, and it does have one sports angle, but uh, the main part of it isn't sports related. Jay Cutler was uh, with uh, Kristen Cavallari for quite some time, right? They were married, I believe, yeah. Well, uh, they Who cares are- if you see Jay Cutler's butt cheeks? <laughs> Kristen uh, bailed out of that relationship, right? And uh, so what did Jay do over Thanksgiving? He, I guess there was a very Cavallari reunion. Did I, I've never seen, seen that show. Did you watch that, Austin? No. Oh. Well, apparently there was a show, and they had a reunion for the show, and Jay Cutler was hanging out with a woman, I think her name is Shannon Ford, who in the show had been fired by Kristen Cavallari. She used to work for Kristen Cavallari, and uh, she was fired by her. And I just wondered, is this appropriate? Is this okay with you guys that he's hanging out with uh, his ex's employee? Why would anybody possibly care about this? Uh, I don't know. It sounds like uh, he, I don't think he'd be the first to have a rebound relationship that, uh, you know, was uh, close to his other relationship. Does that make any sense? Yeah, I just wonder if that's a little too close, because I know you guys have expressed to me in no uncertain terms that uh, you cannot date or spend time with a friend's ex. Well, this isn't a friend's ex. But it's still somebody who is, you know, connected. Is that all right? Yeah, this doesn't bother me in the slightest. Austin, where's your uh, conscience tell you? Um, I tried, but I just couldn't care less about what Jay Cutler is or isn't doing with whoever he is or isn't doing it with. Yeah, what does he owe to Kristen? They're divorced now. It's not she a left business. him. She divorced him. Yeah. She, he's whatever. a free man now. Deal with it. So he can do whatever he wants, huh? I mean, it might be a little uncouth if he, if he started dating her sister or something, but like an ex-employee? Yeah, don't call up your ex-wife's mom, right? but uh, just someone else from your circle. Look, people, who, who else are you going to date? You got to date people you know. Somebody, yeah, I agree. But Again, it's not these, like... You know, these reality shows, I, I never watch them, but didn't you say that in the uh, Real Housewives of Salt Lake City or something, isn't someone dating a grandfather or something? Her, uh, she is married to her step grandfather. All right, and well, apparently it, it was the grandmother's the wish, dying wish—the wish of the dying grandmother. Which yeah. I don't know about that. But <laughs> are we to the point now where we can't believe anything that happens in any reality show? Yeah, no, we we crossed that line a long time ago. Are, are there any of them that are legitimate, or are they all the- scripted? And uh, fictional. The only one that was ever legitimate was the first season of The Bachelorette. And I can't remember her and his name, but uh, something and Rob. They're still together. They've got like 17 kids together and a happy marriage out in Boston someplace. 
You know, I think my favorite one, and I, I admit I watched some of this one, but do you remember back in the day the Who Wants to Marry a Millionaire and it was just some bro? It was just some guy who was <laughs> yes. like a, a minimum wage worker and they told all the contestants that he was some gazillionaire? Are you kidding yeah. me? And there was one uh, person yeah. on that show that was indicted for murder. Was it really? Yeah, because the next season it was a millionaire female uh-huh. and all the males were lined up and one of those males went to prison for murder. I don't remember specifically the reveal. I think it was called Joe Millionaire, actually, now that I think about it. But I don't remember the reveal when they told the gal that he was penniless, but it had to be classic, right? I never saw it either. I just read about it. How can you you do that? What do you mean, how can you do that? You can't do that. You can't lure everybody in and say so-and-so's a millionaire, and then they find out he's penniless? Why not? That's a lie. It's reality TV, Gordon, so... You're it's lying to lie. everybody. Okay. No, you're not. You're being honest with your viewers. You're lying to the contestants. Uh, well, that seems completely bogus to me, but I don't watch reality TV. All right. Answer me this one then. Of all the reality shows that you've ever even sampled, which was the best? Oh, I, I'm a real world fan. And the, the challenge is probably my favorite. The real world road rules challenge. I was a pretty Austin? dedicated viewer of that for a long time. Uh, one of my favorite shows is has always been and will always be and still is The Amazing Race. But is that the one when they got to get around the world or something? Or yeah, they... but that's more of a game show than a reality show, right? Uh, uh, which no, kind of that's a reality show. I'll tell you, yeah. in college, I used to uh, binge watch The Bad Girls Club because I thought it was hilarious. But oh, what um, was that? You know what? My favorite was I take it back. My favorite was definitely Eliminate. What an oh, Eliminate. Eliminate. Yeah. What an incredible show Eliminate was. Did I tell <laughs> you I knew someone on that? Yeah, that went you on did. That? Yeah, what was so good about it? Oh, it was, I don't know, four, uh, in one episode, you start with four potential dates and you end with one. One of them passes <laughs> gas and gets left at the restaurant. Yeah, gets the cut. Who are you cutting now? That guy, the stinky one. By the way, I saw a poll over the weekend that asked the question, would you rather, uh, would you rather burp? Or would you rather have gas and uh, do the other thing? This is a dumb question. Neither. Rather well, have, had, I'd rather have pick, healthy digestive system. If then. you had to pick one, which one would you pick? Would you rather burp or would you rather fart? What would you, Gordon? I'd rather burp. Oh, good for you. That's nice. Ah, what about you? I'd rather rip one. <laughs> and then one final thing, guys. I saw over the weekend, I don't know if this is what the update is on this, but you mentioned The Bachelorette. Didn't I see on my uh, Dish Network that uh, Dish Network and uh, Channel 4 are having a bit of a dispute? I saw some crawling thing during the Ute game. I thought it was over there, CW, CW30 thing, though. Huh. All Why? right. I I don't know. I just saw that, and I thought, because I thought it might have involved Channel 4, too. So I I, I didn't know what the deal was there. But wouldn't that be a shame if people couldn't watch The Bachelorette? It would be a shame. That's true. Well, this season, The Bachelorette, on the first episode, said, shut it down. I'm in love with this guy. (laughs) And they had to pick another one. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, And I've told you guys this before, but I remember it so clearly, and I've forgotten a thousand things since. But in 1989, I was talking to someone when I was in Los Angeles. I was talking to somebody about what the next big thing was in TV, and they said, invest in reality TV. 
And at that time, I don't think very many people had even heard of it. They said, that's going to be the next big thing. I should have bought in, man. I should have bought in. What were you thinking? What, was it being sold know. as a stock? How could you buy in? Oh, buy into, you know, uh, uh, get get involved in the production of one of these shows. Just become a showrunner out of the blue? <laughs> I don't know. They'll probably take anybody's money if you're willing <laughs> to jump in. But uh, I had no idea that it was going to turn into what it's turned into. And uh, since I've not, I'm not a fan, I don't watch it. I really don't know that much about it. It seems like uh, I'm probably one out of uh, maybe a hundred people in all of America fit into that category. And and for, you're forgetting the time you laughed Henry Ford to scorn when he told you the automobile was going to be big. Well, I was I was young then. But, uh, I should have learned my lesson. I'm not that old. Coming up next, we'll let you hear from Dennis Lindsay and Justin Zanuck. Stay tuned. Ninety-seven five and twelve eighty the zone.